Hello and welcome to another episode of Just Talk with Joe Meyer. I'm your host, Joe Meyer, and thank you for being here with me today on another episode. And looking forward to chit-chatting with all of you out there, hearing what I have to say, and still waiting for those to hear what you have to say as well. But no rush, everybody. So let's start off here. On a good note, what we always start with, giving us an idea of what today is to bring everybody. Wow, what a week. We have a lot to talk about as we discuss everything from current events to a little bit of politics, but I, I hope not to, to stick to that today. I know we've I've been really getting into it lately, and and it's only natural because of what's going on with the whole economy, the with the country, with everything that's taking place in my life and your life, and and you know. But sometimes we just have to talk about other things. Is that right? And we will. We absolutely will today. Today we're just starting off with uh, the great Phil Collins. Have many of you have recognized this song as I, I Don't Care Anymore, right? And when, when do we have that attitude? I think it's important that some of us go through that and feel that sometimes, right? That you just don't care anymore, right? And sometimes you're just fed up and you're tired and you just want the opportunity to scream <laughs> and get it out. And I think that's what a lot of people are doing today is they just want to scream from the top of their lungs of what's happening in this world, in this country, right? And that's perfectly okay. I think it's important to. It just depends how much we care, what things we're just going to let go of, what we're going to focus on. And we should definitely be focusing on the good right now. But it's kind of hard to see that sometimes, right? The good things I focus on, or try to focus on anyways, is my jobs. I say jobs. <laughs> Teaching, which will almost be one year with my new employer. Um, since the last school from last year got closed. And uh, I was there for about eight and a half years. I love that school. 
I won't say the name, obviously, for, you know, for certain reasons, but, you know, obviously, I was there. They gave me my first real shot at teaching um, by a gentleman by the name of Glenn. And Glenn, you know, some of you know, I don't know who Glenn is. Why are you talking about Glenn? Well, it's because we, we just think about those individuals who gave us a shot. Those individuals, we, we thank for allowing us to do certain things in our life. And I, I get it that not everybody gets opportunities. And not everybody gets, the, gets people who really help them, right? But Glenn, you know, he saw that I was uh, passionate. He saw that I was somebody who really wanted to contribute in the world of teaching and so he gave me a shot with that first few class. And then I got two classes and then three and then four. And then that's kind of the max that I could get because it was just too much. <laughs> um, and I did that for eight and a half years until uh, the school closed. And then I had to wait a few months until December. So I almost waited almost close to six months um, before another um, teaching job came along. And luckily somebody in my circle of teaching kind of knew uh, an opportunity and, and also worked there. And uh, she opened herself up to me and, um, and helped me. And I'm very thankful for that opportunity as well. And I've, I've been there since. And uh, it's great, you know. I think about, you know, what it would be like to work for a university, you know, because the college I work for now uh, is not a university. They're a, they're a fairly good size um career college, vocational school, as you might call them. Um, but there's still a need for good instructors. And they've been kind to me. They've treated me kindly, which is important to me. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, we're put in situations, we're put in places in life um, for certain reasons. Not everybody gets to go where they want to go in life. The gates of heaven don't always open up for everybody in the sense of like, um, well, I'm just going to be able to do whatever I want in this life. It doesn't work that way. I wish it did. But I will say this, the gates of heaven will open up to anybody who gives their life to God, to Jesus, and who really understands the meaning of that. Now, I'm not here to talk religion to you, but as many of you know, I am a a God-fearing man. I, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. And I work every day to be a, a better version of myself. But I fail, like anybody else. Right? So this week, you know, not to get off topic, this week has just been hectic, <laughs> in a good way. Working, teaching, continuing to learn, continuing to push myself in the sense of my new job, um, and just watching the the months go by, <laughs> you know, and it just flies by. This year's been gone. It's going. It's almost gone, right? And so I think it's important to see how quickly this year's gone. Since COVID took place in March, been stuck inside mostly, but not everybody. I mean, I'm not saying I, I'm stuck inside every single minute, but I take a walk take my daughter to the park, go to the store, try to live life the best way I can right now, right? 
Um, I don't go to restaurants yet. Um, meaning eat inside. But I do, you know, order out. And that's that's the most I'll do. Um, it will eventually get better, everybody. It will eventually get better when we'll be able to go to restaurants, go to the movie theater. Some of you out there are already doing that, you know. And um, I just caution you. I'm not here to strike fear in you. I'm not here to tell you, oh, you're going to die, you know. Um, many times that's the message out there in the media. That, oh, you have to be afraid. Be afraid. Be afraid. And that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is be cautious. Right? Um, but every week I look for a new week. Just like most of us. Some of you out there are struggling, looking for work. On the brink of destruction. Due to no fault of your own. But hopefully this has been a wake-up call in a sense that when things do get better, you'll have the opportunity to kind of really think about what you want to do differently in your life. Do you want to save money? I hope you do. Do you want to get a better job? Do you want to go back to school? Do you want to have a relationship with God? Do you want to exercise more? Do you want to get more healthier? more fit the mind I will say is probably one of the most important aspects that keeps us motivated that keeps us going day in and day out if your mind is weak if you're focused on things that don't matter if you're focused on things that will bring you down Then, then, you could potentially, you know, you, you'll fail. You'll bring yourself down. I think it's so important to remember that your mind is so key to your happiness. And... We live in a world where it's just full of depression, anxieties, and the world is looking for an answer. Like, how do I get past it? How do I stop looking at others, at their lives, at what they have? And some of it is the bare necessities. Why does that person get to eat, but I don't? Why does that person get to have a roof over their head, but I don't? Why does that person get to have clothes on their back, but I don't? And these are questions that everybody should, should be asking themselves because there's a lot of people out there who do not have those things. And many times people callously forget that. They forget how fortunate they are. And we must never forget that. We must never forget those things. Because we're all, each and every one of us could be at the brink of homelessness or have no food in our tummies or clothes on our back. That's why we must get smart. Now, some of you may say, well, Joseph, you don't understand. 
I struggle every single day to make a better life for myself. And I try and try and try. And I just haven't gotten anywhere. And I, I understand. I've been there. And to a certain point, I am still there. I still struggle and struggle to get to the point where I want to be in life. Now, some of you may say, well, I, I barely, I don't, I don't, I have a penny in my bank account right now. And I've been there too. We must stay focused. We must stay positive. We must look for other ways to better our life. And we must take action. And that's so key, right? If we don't take action, nothing's going to happen. If we continue working in jobs where those employers don't give a damn about you, just want to use you, then it's time to move on. And I get it. It's not that easy. It's not that easy to do that. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes money sometimes. Something that not everybody has. But there is resources out there. There is opportunities out there. And you must look for them. You must stop thinking of yourself any less worthy than anybody else out there. Well, I can't do that. I, I don't have those skill sets. I don't have that mind. I don't have this and I don't have that. In a sense, just remember, we're all created equal under the eyes of God. So God can give you any opportunity that your heart desires. Yes, I know that every opportunity is not going to come our way. I'm not going to be a rocket scientist tomorrow. I'm not going to be a doctor because I didn't go to school. I'm not going to be a lawyer. I didn't go to school. But there's other opportunities that he will provide. But we, we have to do our part as well, everybody. It's important. And I know that's the hard part. Certain, certain groups in our culture, I'll, I'll fully not never understand. I will never understand because I never lived like that. But I, I, I will tell you that I could have been on the brink of living like that. And what, what do you? And you're probably asking, what are you talking about, Joseph? Well, you know, people who live in poverty, people who live in certain conditions that um, make it almost impossible to move anywhere. That's what I'm talking about. I know it's hard. You know, we're, we're in a big essential war right now in our culture. The haves and have-nots, right? The haves and have-nots. And I think it's, it's so important that we, we look at that, you know? And I know each day, sometimes I look at those people who have the haves, right? And it makes me mad sometimes. And some of you may say, well, Joseph, you know, what are you going to do about it? You have no control over that. You have no control. And sometimes I look at people my age or even younger. They have a big house, nice car. Money. 
better job, better career. And I think to myself, yeah, I, I could probably have that. But you know, I, I in a sense failed myself. And that's my fault. Early in my life, I didn't believe in myself. I didn't believe in my abilities. I didn't believe in who, what I could do. I didn't believe that I have the mind to do good things. I felt I was just completely worthless regularly. You know? Just trying to remember that. You know? And it took a long time before I got to the point where I felt like I could do things. It took a long time until I got to the point to say to myself, hey, Joseph, you're not worthless. You're not stupid. You're not lazy. You've been believing what you've been told most of your childhood life. And that's why you're not where you are, where you want to be in life. And it's a mental mentality, everybody. Like I said, it's a mentality, right? You ever wonder how those individuals out there who you look at them and they're, they're incredibly successful? And yes, I admit they're whip smart people. But do you ever wonder how they got there? You know, it wasn't just a bunch of luck. I will tell you that. It wasn't that. Okay. It was the fact that they grew up differently than all of us. They had the ability to have maybe a, a people in their life that pushed them, that encouraged them. They have good role models in their life. Like a mom or dad, an aunt, uncle, whoever where they wanted to mimic those people. You know, you, you look at culture, okay? And this is just my opinion, okay? But you look at the culture like the African-Americans, for instance, right? Because there's a war going on right now. You see it protesting. You see it's what's going on in the news, in the television. You see it in the streets. And some of you may wonder who, who are not African-American, like, well, why, why, why are they acting like that? You know, why are they looting? Why are they destroying the streets? Why are they starting fights? You know, and, and it's not completely their fault. Yes, they're, to a certain degree, it is their fault because of how they're acting. Because, of, because they're angry. Because they're fed up. Because many of those individuals didn't have the role models that required them to say, hey, you know what? There's a better way. Yes, I know you're angry. Yes, I know you're upset. Yes, I know you're fed up.
Yes, you can protest. And there's, there's nothing wrong with protesting because it's a part of our constitution. Right? But what is not part of the constitution is looting, rioting, right? And that's where we've gone wrong. Okay? Now, I, some of you out there may, may believe, well, racism doesn't exist. Prejudice doesn't exist. White privilege doesn't exist. And I see it out there because I've done my research. There are avid believers and even our own president of the United States of America feels that racism doesn't exist because he's ignored it. Because if he actually acknowledged racism and didn't do anything about it, he would be negligent. Now, he, um, he obviously is probably too stupid to know that racism exists. Because in my opinion, he is a racist. Just based on his actions, his character, how he's treated individuals in his life. And if you're, not, if you're thinking, well, he didn't do nothing, well, yeah. Look up his history. Go find it for yourself. There's been situations where he had purposely tried to, in his own properties, try to evict African-American families, right? He also put out an ad when the, um, those African-American gentlemen were convicted, were actually, excuse me, accused. And he put an ad that they should be, you know, you know, convicted and, and he really pushed for that. So, you know, what people don't tend to understand, okay, is people don't want to say he's, you know, people want to defend him. People want to say, well, he's not a racist. He's not. I've worked with him years and years and I've never seen that. Well, maybe they're a racist too. And they're, they just don't want to acknowledge it. You know, racism exists. And we can't necessarily just say, oh, well, it doesn't exist. Everybody has a free opportunity in the United States of America. In a sense, yes, we do. But if racism still exists in our country, well, let me back up. If racism didn't exist in our country, then African Americans and other cultures, people of color, including Latinos, would have equal opportunities for everything that, you know, in this world, right? In this country, specifically. And not everybody does. You know, there are statistics out there. There are studies, because these are important issues, stating how much of a wage gap there is in our country based off ethnicity, race, you know, compare it and they compare it to white or Caucasian individuals. And some of these numbers are incredibly dramatic differences, you know, huge percentages. And that's because, you know, it's not only just because racism, but a lot of it could be education. A lot of it could be opportunities for other areas. Um, one of the more recent examples was 
when Wells Fargo, the CEO, basically stated, hey, um, we really can't hire too many African-Americans because we, ha- we don't have a, a large enough pool of individuals from pull- to pull from. We, we don't. We, that's why we don't hire as many. Bull. There are tons, millions probably, African-Americans who would love to work for Wells Fargo and those opportunities. Now, don't get me wrong. Wells Fargo is probably not the best company to work for in a sense that of just some of the practices that they've done over the years and the fines that they've accrued um, for some of the practices that they've done. Okay, but it's a bold-faced lie to say, oh, well, we just, you know, we there's just not enough around. Of course there is. There's opportunities around there. They choose not to give them to those individuals. You know, they choose not to hire specific races. Okay? And it's at their discretion. You know why? Because they're a big multi-billion dollar company. Who's going to stop them, right? Who? They could hire whoever they want. No one's going to stop them. Even our U.S. government's not going to stop them. They're very good at hiding. Hiding. That they're not discriminating. But discrimination does exist. Racism does exist today. Is it something that's going to end tomorrow? Unfortunately not. It's not. It goes into show that a part of me, you know, with even my own family background, my own ancestry, ancestry, excuse me, I, I am in a sense embarrassed to a certain degree because there's Spanish ancestry, Hispanic ancestry. Um, because of the way people look at Latinos, Hispanics differently. As less valuable. And I'm not saying that it's everybody. But they're certainly not treated. The same as others. Like a Caucasian. Anglo-Saxons. Europeans. In a sense. You know. There's just something there that. You know it's hard to say. It's hard to pinpoint. You know. Um, Because. Some of you may think I'm making things up. Like, oh, no, that doesn't exist. You know, Caucasian doesn't get better opportunities than Latinos or Blacks. Do they? Don't they? Those are questions you should be asking yourself. You should look at the studies and statistics, right? Because they do exist out there. These are very hard topics to talk about. Most don't want to talk about them. Because they're afraid they're going to come off as being insensitive or racial, racist, you know. But again, I'm not making this stuff up. And why is this, why is this so important today? Just look around, right? One of the things I look at is that I, I like I've told many of you, I attend my churches online regularly, right? And well, some of the things they do, okay, really bother me. For instance, you know, when the pastor is talking about what's going on in our country, you know, he, he in many cases, is mostly a he, um, overlooks the fact that some of these individuals that are going through this, the riots, the protests, 
He laughs. He laughs. And he's an older gentleman. He's probably, I think he's in his 60s. So he's lived in a different time. All right. And although he's living through today's day, you know, in a sense, when you're that age, do you even care anymore? Do you care about what goes on after a certain point? Because, hey, he's 60, right? He could kick the bucket tomorrow, for all you know. No, no skin off his nose, right? This is not his society. This is not his generation. The ones you have to worry about are the younger youths. The ones growing up now. The ones who are 5, 10, 15, 20, 25. Those are the ones who are going to have to live through hell. Individuals like my daughter, who's 8, who's 7, excuse me. Who I don't even know what the world's going to be like in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Who knows? You know, who knows? Interesting. I want to play another song. <laughs> and this one is just something to kind of ease us into the next area of our discussion. So let's let's play it. Let's just play it. I think many of you are going to not be familiar with this song. But some of you may be. Um, it's by Dokken. It's called Dream Warriors. And it was actually featured in the Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 Dream Warriors um, film. Great film, by the way. So let's play it. And then you'll, you'll kind of hopefully get an idea of where I'm hopefully going to go. That's if I don't change paths here. Alright everyone, you know I love plays, playing music everybody, I could probably play that whole song, but 
Um, that's not why you joined me, is it? <laughs> you know, I know that's part of it, but dreams, right? Dreams. And we can go any direction you want. You know, dreams are so important, right? We all dream, right? Sometimes we dream in our sleep. Sometimes we dream during the day. And that's so important because we must have dreams. What are your dreams? And you could tell me your physical dreams, like you went to sleep and you dreamed about this horrible thing. I'll tell you one of mine that was pretty graphic, okay? And it was the other night, and I, I don't know why I was dreaming about this, okay? Um, I can even analyze my dream. Dream, okay? So I dreamed that I was, it looked like I was trying to defend myself against something and there was a group of men around me and um, I pulled out a gun and I tried to shoot one of them in my dream and, but the, the gun wouldn't, the gun wouldn't work, it, it jammed or something. So I ended up taking out a big knife and kind of slicing their necks, which I know sounds kind of graphic. I know it is graphic. I don't know why I dream those things, okay? It's not something that I, you know, hope for in any way. Um, but it looks like in the dream, I was looking at the what's online is someone's cutthroat in a dream is interpreted by a dream as troubles from relatives or friends. However, they may be unintentional, so you should not suspect relatives of treachery. Did you dream of such a crime against your wife or child the cutthroat and this means you're involuntary upset them in reality but you know i'm just seeing here what else oh so what does it mean to dream of cutting well let's see they have all these different interpretations let's see It could also mean um, a worry dream. Worry dream interpreted meaning to dream of a worry on your personal appearance means anxiety. Chisel dream means um, is an omen of necessity of cutting. So, you know, it could be a variety of things, you know, who knows, right? But let's talk about the more important dreams, right? What are your dreams out there? Like... Did you dream you want to be something? Do you dream the day you can do something in your life that will bring you immense joy? Maybe it's saving money. Maybe it's um, going on vacation. Maybe it's getting a certain type of job or career. And when you think of your dreams, do you think they're far-fetched? Like, I'm just never going to reach them? Or do you see a light at the end of the tunnel? Because that's important, everybody. Dreams. We shouldn't just think of life as a dream where that's the only time we feel it's a reality. And that's unfortunate that we as many times, especially in the United States, feel like we can live. We That's the only way we could live is dreaming of that. So some of you may say, you know, I can only dream of owning a house one day. I get you. Especially in California, 
where the average cost of one house is probably over 500000 And I'm talking about a house. I'm not talking about a condo, a townhome. I'm talking about an actual house where the cost is, you know, anywhere from four to 500 and up, right? And if you think about that, you know, well, you may say, well, you know, if you work and everything, if you, if you have good jobs, yeah, then you're, you're okay. But what about those individuals who want a house that maybe they don't make a lot of money? But do you think they're still entitled to hopefully own a home one day? Of course. Who does? Who shouldn't be able to own a home? Do you think people should be renting for the rest of their life? I don't think so. I think people should have a piece of the American dream, right? And that's really what it is. The American dream. And I've heard this quote say, the American dream is something now that you, you, only think you, can, you can only dream of in your sleep, right? How true is that, right? Other dreams could be, hey, I want to be a millionaire. Okay, great. <laughs> I want to be a billionaire. All right. How are you going to do that? You know, it's not easy, folks. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's not easy. I, I tell my students this many times because they're, many of them are young. Many of them are starting out in life. Some have lived through life. You know, they've had jobs. They have careers, you know. And many of them are starting over. They're just trying to, you know, get a second career going or, you know, switch careers. And sometimes in, in the life of a student, you know, they feel, I don't know, let down. They feel like they can't do it. They feel like it's just like it's a long road ahead. And I know it seems that way. But anything that you do to get close to that dream you got to do it, whether it's putting money aside, whether, you know, and a lot of times it involves money. <laughs> you know, you want to go on vacation? Well, you need money, right? You want to go to school? Sometimes you need money. You know, you want to buy a house? You definitely need money for that. Even if you want to get an apartment, yeah, you need money for that. You know, all too often, you know, life revolves around money. But don't make it your life's center, right? Don't make it your life's center. Because that will drive anybody nuts. I think it's, it's important to, to really think about when you go to sleep every night and when you wep or when you cry and you think about tomorrow and you think about the hardships in your life and you look in your fridge and you have no food. You look at your son or daughter and you can't put a diaper on them or you can't give them the food that they hope for or they want, so they need. And you dream about the day that you can reach into your pocket and you, you pull out money and not have to worry about, oh, well, you know, I can't use this because I have to pay something else. I can't use this because I have to, you know, for food because I have the rents due and I have to put all my money towards rent and we'll just live off ramen noodles or watered down milk. And if you pe think people don't live like that, um, they, you're wrong. They do. They do. And yes, there are programs out there to help people like welfare, food stamps. But there are many people out there who are too prideful to take those. I'm, you know, people will be like, I am never going to be on welfare. I do never, will never be on welfare food stamps. I will never do that, right? Like it's some type of shame 
against them, right? But ultimately, you have to remember that those services, those aspects that are provided to society to keep society afloat. They are used and they are for they have a purpose. And we should not be ashamed to use them. Where it gets shameful is when people overuse them or they abuse them. And there are many people that do that as well, right? You know, you see somebody on food stamps and they're driving a new BMW. You're like, what the how is that possible? Right? People who lie, saying they don't make any money just to, to, to milk the system, right? A lot of people like that today, right? And so dreams, we have to be dream warriors, right? We have to fight for those dreams. Because in a dream, what are we always tending to do? We're always fighting, right? Fighting for survival. Sometimes fighting people. Sometimes fighting ourselves. And why is that, everybody? Why, why is it many times in dreams we're fighting for something, right? It's because we are trying to survive in this life. We are trying to make it. And life is tough. But that doesn't mean we have to go out there and make things harder for other people. Or make it harder on society. Because then we're not going to get anywhere, right? You think that the people out there who are protesting, and I'm not saying that protesting is bad. I'm not condoning it. But do you think the people out there protesting right now are getting a good message across? When fights are being started. When people are clashing. When the police are involved. Do you think that's a good message, a good picture for society and where we're at right now? Yes, I get it that, you know, people go out there genuinely to protest in peace. But then there's other instigators that come along and start fights. And people are out there trying to defend themselves, right? Then you have people like I just read about. Who, there was a uh, protest in Yorba Linda. Which some of you don't even know where that's at. But it's in California. It's in Orange County. And... There was a two protesters. There were protesters against um, police brutality, and then there was counter protesters, which are basically Trumpers, people who are Trump supporters. And what happened in that day, and that was yesterday, is that somebody drove through a, a crowd of pro protesters, right? And basically, um, many few people were injured. I think one gentleman or man, woman, it doesn't, I have to look, was uh, got some broken legs. So basically I'm reading the article now. So it was a Long Beach, 40-year-old Long Beach woman. Drove through a crowd during a heated demonstration in Yorba Linda on Saturday, badly injuring a man and a woman. Anthony Bryson, who helped the driver, Tatiana Turner, plan a protest against police brutality said an angry mob had surrounded Turner and wouldn't let her leave her the parking lot. People had broken her windshield. Bryson told the Associated Press she was trying to leave. She was in a fear for her life. So County, Orange County Sheriff Dennis Beckner, however, said Turner drove through the crowd deliberately 
And when she left the parking lot, she had chosen an alternate route that would have completely avoided all these people. She chose that route. It wasn't like that she was the only avenue, her only avenue of escape. She didn't have to leave at that moment. She could have just stayed in her car. He added from what he can tell, there seemed to be no issue when she was getting into her car. Turner was arrested on suspension of a, sus, suspicion of assault with a deadly weapon and attempted murder after the incident. She was attending the protest with a caravan for justice, said Orange County Sheriff's spokesperson. The organization is in solidarity with Black Lives Matter. So you look at that, okay, and you know, you hear about Black Lives Matter, right? You hear about it even on an international spectrum of what it's doing. But you, you think about like, okay, well, you know, you know, this is the idea where people will get the idea, well, calling BLM terrorists, and, uh, and those are not my words. Those are coming from the, you know, I believe from the White House or from Trump who call them that, right? Because ultimately, many of them are acting like it. And I don't want to call people that. I don't believe, you know, they're bad people. I believe many of them are trying to um, protest peacefully, right? A lot of it's happening in Los Angeles. A lot of it's happening in Portland, Seattle, and else, elsewhere, you know? A lot of protests going on, right? Police are not the enemy. Anybody who has to hear that and believe it, okay? Because they're not the enemy. Like anything else in this world, yes, we have bad apples. We have people who generally will take advantage of the system, that they, the job that they take advantage of, and do harm to society. There's always people like that, right? The only difference is that the, why people tend to be so much angrier at the police is because they're supposed to live at a higher standard, a higher, a higher moral standard than, than most, right? Because they are to serve and protect the people. Now, I understand that, and I would never know this. I know they have a tough job. I know many police, and we talked about this last week, is that many of them die in the line of duty. And yes, it's getting worse. Being a police is a tough job, and it's one that you may never come home to. And to be honest, they're not even paid that well, so, but they're, they're not doing it for the money, right? And I say that because, you know, imagine losing your life for $60,000 a year. Is that really was that really worth it for them? You know? But they they want to live on a higher for a higher cause, right? The same that goes for our military. They want to live on a, to a higher cause for helping and serving our country. I'm I'm somebody who has great respect for the military because my grandfather was in World War II. He was a World War II vet. My uncles were in the army. My dad was in the Army Reserves. Um, I wish I had served. And I regret it to this day that I didn't serve. You know? That was, going back into my life, that was one of the things I regret. Because I was 
incredibly blinded in that in those younger years 18 19 20s because i didn't realize at that point my worth or my value and sometimes i question it still to this day but then i look at my wife and my daughter and they and god i i speak with god of course and he tells me what my worth is and my family tells me what my value is and then I, I have to remember that. I have to stick that in the back of my mind. But what I was saying is that we, we must show respect for them. You know, I, I get it. That people want to be heard. From all sides. White, black, brown. They all want to be heard. On what those issues are that are affecting their lives. But doing, looting, rioting, running over people is not going to be the answer that you're going to, you're not going to get the answer you're hoping for by acting like that. Vote. That's the way you do it, everybody. Get your butt out there and vote. And fight for the causes that way. And hold those senators, those House of Representatives, those legislators accountable and make sure you vote who you feel is going to have your best interests right and so it's so key so important right but going back to what i was saying about dreams right because <laughs> as you can see i get off track um dreams keep us alive dreams keep us going every day and I think it's important that we focus on those dreams. You know, I know right now is not the easiest time. Politically, economically, you know, we're not at a good time right now. We're at a crossroads where things could get worse and probably will, everybody. And we need to stay positive. We need to know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, right? That's my belief, everybody. That is my belief that it can happen because I've been through hell. I've lived through it, okay? One thing we have to remember, okay? We can't always take everybody at their word. Not everybody is honest. Not everybody is trying to tell you the truth, everybody. Remember that. And many of you should remember that. One of the most interesting things I was just learning about, and I watched the, um, the documentary The Social Dilemma on Netflix. Okay, And that documentary just blew my mind. And it's not necessarily things that are completely unfallible where you're like, well... You know, but it's things that, in my opinion, that are happening right now and we know about them, but we're ignoring them. Okay. And really what, what the truth is, I, I want you to, everyone to go out there and see it for yourself. But it's really about the dangers of social media and the effects on it has over us, on our mentality, on our psychology, on our behaviors. Right? 
and what it's doing to us individually, what it's doing to society, all right? Social media is not our friend, everybody. They are not. They are not here to make us feel good. They're actually there to do quite the opposite, everybody, in my opinion. They're there to hook us, to make us feel like we need it, to give us that cocaine rush. Now, I've never done cocaine, but I can imagine if you are on social media and you're going through like what I was going through, Twitter, I was just constantly on my phone. I constantly need to hear what was going on. I needed to hear all the millions of voices saying, oh, wow, this is what they think. Oh, this is what they think. Oh, wow, this is that. This is this celebrity thinks this. Oh, I, I got to follow this person, you know. And before you know it, you're hooked. And in the documentary, they use a very good way of kind of going about it uh, as if like, you know, they're just constantly trying to get you hooked, basically using your data, using what you're what you're looking at to keep bringing you back. And it's so easy, in my opinion, to kind of really um, focus on what they're trying to do. Now, like I was mentioning earlier in these episodes is I'm currently in the process of reading 1984, right? 1984. And one of the more significant things that I can think of is that just the repeat of things that social media will do to keep repeating things that may not fully be true. They may not be factual. And one of the things that was interesting is that Facebook and Twitter and social media in general want to be the bearers of truth, everybody. They want to be the ones that tell you what is truthful. Okay, instead of you looking for your, on your own, right? Instead of you looking yourself and searching it out yourself, they want to be the ones that tell you, hey, this is what truth is, right? And it's interesting because I bring up 1984 because I was thinking about this part, right? And many of you who've read it, it's when Winston gets arrested after being with Julia. And they're in the process of torturing him. And um, basically what they're doing is that they're trying to torture him to really reprogram his mind to be loyal to Big Brother, to be loyal to the government, And every time he speaks, Winston that is, he gets a big shock, right? Because what he says is truthful in his own mind, like what he believes is the truth, right? But that's not what they want. Big Brother wants you to believe what they tell you to believe. And eventually you're going to start believing it. Eventually you're going to start saying, well... You know, I'm going to believe Big Brother because I believe, I trust the source. I trust what he's telling me. And that is where we're headed today, folks. Is is really talking about where we're headed as far as, you know, believing what we see every day. Believing what we hear on the news. Don't watch the news, everybody. I mean, you may say, well, the news has good, you know, source values. There's good information in there, right, Joseph? And it, so, sometimes there is. But if you're watching the Fox News, or I like to call fake news, um, or, or, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll 
I'll do it across the board. CNN, Fox News, One Network or whatever, One American Network, whatever you want to call it. Their main source, and we've talked about this, of trying to get you hooked on their idea of what their truth is, right? The Democrats are evil. The Republicans are evil. COVID is out to kill you. COVID is trying to get you. You can't go out without a mask. You, you, you're going you're gonna to get sick and you're going to die. You know, those, those are kind of the things that um, news media is constantly feeding you. And if you're watching eight hours of Fox News, you're, you're, you're pretty much a cultist, in my opinion. You're pretty much stuck on fake news. And you may say, well, CNN's fake news too, Joseph. They tell a lot of bold-faced lies and all that. And I'm sure they do. You know? I'm sure they do. I don't, you know, I can't really speak to the, to the extent of like how accurate CNN, Fox News is. All I can base it off is my own research based on what they're pushing. Obviously, CNN is very liberal from what I hear. Fox News is conservative, right? And so is one American network or whatever you call it and others out there, right? So there's also CNBC, CBS. There's a ton out there, right? And their goal is to hook you. Their goal is to feed you information. Now, I'm not saying go blindly into like, well, you know, I'm just not going to watch anything then. I'm just not going to listen to anything. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you must do your own research. You must look out the source. And I'm doing that more and more now. When I see an article, I want to know who that article is, who it's coming from. What is, what, you know, are they leaning towards something? Are they right wing, left wing, center? What, what are they? Um, because they're, they're really trying to steer the narrative of what they want you to believe. And if you're a, a mindless sheep, like many people are out there, you're going to believe it. Hook, line, and sinker, everybody. You're going to believe every word that they say. And is that who you want to be out there, everybody? Do you want to believe everything that's being told to you? Do you want to trust people that much? I say no. Turn it off. One thing I did this week is I deactivated my Twitter account. Last week, I deactivated Facebook. I also deleted one of my 